Well, good evening, church family. It is an honor and it is a privilege to be able to speak to you all today. I would like to thank Pastor once again for this opportunity because I really am honored to be able to be with you all tonight. I know they've already welcomed you, but I want to welcome you again uh, to the first Wednesday night service of 2014. I'm glad that you were able to join us today. I'm glad that you were able to make it. I know life is busy, but above all comes God first. So I'm glad you're here tonight. Now, 2014 is the year of the supernatural. We've heard pastors say it over and over and over again. I believe it. I'm sure you all believe it. So what is the supernatural? Now, Pastor has done a pretty good job on describing what it is, and he's continuing, I know, after we leave to TBI to continue to talk about the supernatural. But I asked God, if I was explaining the supernatural to a group of children, what is the simplest way I could describe the supernatural? And what he told me was this, the supernatural is not normal. If you're used to it, then it's not supernatural. If you're not used to it, then it's supernatural. Because look, the natural is, let's say you were to walk into a room full of people who had a cold, you would think, oh man, I'm about to get a cold now. That person just sneezed on me. And you're going to start thinking, well, I'm going to get a cold because I walked into a room full of sick people. That's natural. The supernatural is walking into that room full of sick people and they all get healed instantly. Amen. Is that normal? Absolutely not, but it is super natural. Is it possible? Absolutely yes, because in the Bible, in Luke 1.37, it says absolutely everything is possible with our God. So that is the supernatural. The supernatural is if you're not used to it, then it is supernatural. And this is the year of the supernatural, so get ready to see some things that you're not used to. You may not be used to seeing your debts paid off in an instant, but this is the year of the supernatural, so it's going to happen. You may not be used to going a whole year with never getting a cold. Well, guess what? This is the year of the supernatural, so why can't it happen? You may be sick right now. Well, it's the year of the supernatural, so you're not sick anymore. You're healed in Jesus' name. So never has the church been in a greater position than in the position it is now. And why do I say that? Because in John 14, 2, it says, Jesus actually said this, that we would do greater things than what he's done. Have any of you ever raised anyone from the dead? No, right? Okay, well, Jesus did that, and if we haven't done that yet, there's even greater things for us to see from that. This is the year of the supernatural. I, I'm going to say it over and over again because that's what it is. So, yes, we, will, we can see people rise from the dead. We could see a whole graveyard rise from the dead if that's what God wanted. That's a little far-fetched, but still, everything is possible with God. So I believe he can do it. So we can be greater than the church of the year before, the year before that, and the year before that. We can be the greatest church that has ever happened in history. Now, when I say greatest church, I just don't mean this church. I mean the whole body of Christ all over the world. We could be the greatest we've ever been if we were just learned to enforce the will of God. So today, I want to talk to you about operating in the supernatural and there's many ways to operate in the supernatural, and I'm just going to focus on a very small aspect. We're not even going to begin to touch what really is operating in the supernatural. 
we're going to touch on something very small, and it's a step I like to call doing damage. So if you're looking for a title for today's message, that's it, doing damage. Uh, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity that you have given me. I ask that you open up my heart, you open up my mouth, and you say what you want to say through me, and you direct me how you want me to move. Father God, I ask that you open up the hearts and minds of everyone here, that we receive absolutely everything that you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, how many of you, and be honest with me because I'll be honest with you, can say that the enemy has attacked you in the past year? Year before that? How about the year before that? Has the enemy been attacking you your whole life? Okay, so then that means this relates to all of us because I saw almost every hand go up. Let's go to Matthew 11, verse 12. Now, before we read that verse, I want to give you a little example and maybe, ladies, you may be able to relate to this a little bit more, but men, just bear with me for the example. Let's say a young child ran into your house, frantically screaming, saying, there's a giant snake outside and he's about to eat Billy. Well, you would get the nearest object, nearest thing you could use as a weapon. You run outside to save Billy, but when you get there, you see Billy hiding behind a tree. He, he's fine. And then you look at the snake, and it's dead. And you're wondering why they were both so scared if it's a dead snake. You hit it on the head a few times just to look like, yeah, I killed the snake. But you really didn't do anything. It was already dead. You did some extra damage to the snake, but the snake was already taken care of way before you got there. See, we need to change our mindset on how we view the enemy. He is defeated. He is like that already dead snake. Before you ever encountered him, someone already beat him for you and that was Jesus so we need to begin to see that the enemy is already defeated how can something that is already beat hurt you it can't unless you let it how can it scare you it can't unless you let it so the enemy is already defeated let's read Matthew eleven twelve, and we're just going to focus on the very last sentence it says the violent take it by force. Now, when many people hear the word violent, they think of a dangerous fight, maybe even a life-threatening fight. See, but the word violent here means to force, to energetically force one's way. In 2014, I believe it's time for the church to start energetically forcing the will of God. Why should the devil be doing damage to you when you can be doing damage to him if you were to get a little bit violent, if you were to get a little bit bold and just energetically enforce the will of God? What has the defeated enemy taken from you? Has he stolen your health? Has he stolen your finances? Has he hurt your family? Well, get a little bit violent and take it back. He has no right to put his hands on what rightfully belongs to you. And even more so, the fact that he's been defeated, why should he even touch anything that is yours? Why should he touch your family if he was already defeated at Calvary? He has no business in your home because he's been defeated. When the enemy comes, don't be afraid to get violent. 
get violent. Now, people here get violent, they think, well, attack. Well, yes, attack the enemy. Why should he attack you when you're more equipped to attack him than he is to attack you? See, if someone was breaking into your house, no, parents, if someone broke into your house and tried to hurt your child, what are you going to do? You're going to get a little bit violent and you're going to attack that person because there is no way you are going to let them hurt your child. Well, when the enemy comes to attack you, get a little bit violent, get a little bit bold, pray, pray, speak the word and tell him you have no right here. It is time for the church to get a little bit violent. But before we get violent with the enemy, there is something we really need to realize And once you realize this, once you stop thinking of it as a good Christian fact and let it drop down into your spirit as actual truth, then every time you face the enemy, you will win. And it is this. He's already been beat. He's already defeated. It is very easy to beat someone who has already been beat because you really don't even have to do anything. You just have to go, well, well, you already lost. Why are you here? That, that was easy. He's already been beat. He's already been defeated. So let's go to Colossians 2.15. See, realizing that the enemy is defeated will change the outcome of absolutely every battle you will ever face with him. Because if you already know you're the winner, then you're going to stay the winner. For example, let's say someone went up to a boxer And he told him, you know what, I want you to be in your fight, in this fight. You're already the winner, though, because someone already paid off the fight. They wanted you to be the winner, so they bought the fight. So the outcome is you walk into the ring, you hit the guy a few times just for good show, but you're already the winner. That boxer will step into the ring knowing full well he's already won. He just needs to hit this guy a few times and make a good show, but he's already the winner. So he's not afraid. He's not scared. He's not anxious. He's not worried. He walks into that fight knowing, I win. And that's how we need to begin to realize we are. Every time the enemy comes to attack us or tries to put us in this fight, we need to realize, I win. Even though you're already here, you've already been defeated, enemy. I win. Let's go to Colossians 2.15. See, at Calvary, Jesus bought your victory. He paid off every fight that you would ever be in. So since he paid it off, he wanted the outcome for you to be the victor. Uh, Colossians 2.15 says this. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. When Jesus went to the cross... He not only healed every disease and forgave every sin, but he made a public spectacle of the enemy. He put him to shame and he thoroughly defeated him in front of everybody. Jesus defeated him once and for all by the cross. So if he's already defeated, we have absolutely nothing to fear. And not only that, he disarmed the enemy. He disarmed him, leaving him with nothing, no chance of a future victory, no chance of hope, and no chance of ever being able to defeat you. See, when Jesus went to the cross, he made it so that you would never have to be beaten by the enemy because he defeated him there. That was the final battle. That was it. He beat him there, and that was done. But see, the enemy, though, is a sore loser. 
and he's looking for a rematch that will never happen. So yes, that is why sometimes you think, why is the enemy attacking me? Because he's trying to make some rematch that will never happen because he's already been beat. It's like two little kids playing a game of checkers. One kid wins and the other one's like, you cheated, I want a rematch. And they flip the board. What happened there? They were being a sore loser. They wanted a rematch because they didn't win. Well, that's exactly what happened when the, with the enemy. Jesus beat him so bad at Calvary. He flipped the board and screamed, I want a rematch. But he's never going to get that rematch. So when the enemy tries to attack you, remind him that he's been defeated. So you may say, well, if the enemy's defeated, why in the world do we need to do damage to him? Like, what's doing damage? Like, why are we doing damage to the enemy if he's already beat? Well, because like I said, he's still looking for a rematch. He's still looking for a way to discourage Christians. He's still looking for a way to attack you, to hurt you, to make you depressed, to get into your family. So yes, he's going to attack you, but you're going to win. So it doesn't matter how he attacks you because you're going to win. And it's important to know how to do damage to the enemy when he comes to attack you. The reason I call it doing damage is because you're not going to defeat him. He's already defeated. You're just going to be doing some extra damage to someone who was already damaged. So we're doing damage to the enemy. Let's go to 1 John 5.14. See, when Jesus went to the cross... And he disarmed the enemy, he in turn armed us with some very powerful weapons. And the first one being prayer. See, prayer is important because that is how we communicate with God. That is how we connect with Almighty God. And a lot of people think of prayer as, you know, folding your hands and speaking really low and quietly like, oh God. But no, prayer is so much more than that. Prayer is power. And that is some, if you want to operate in the supernatural in 2014, that's something you're going to need to realize, that prayer is power. Say that with me, church. Prayer is power. 1 John 5.14 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. This is why prayer is power. Because if you ask absolutely anything according to his will, it is going to happen. In fact, it's already done. So what is God's will? Pastor said it on Sunday. God's will is God's word. So if it's in God's word and you pray it, it's going to happen. If the enemy tries to attack you with sickness, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Pray God's word. Pray God's will. Enforce the will of God. If the enemy tries to attack you with disease, it's simple. All you have to do is say, Isaiah 53, 5 says, by your stripes I'm healed. It repeats it again in 1 Peter 2, 24. So body, line up with the word of God, the word of God that says you are healed. So there's absolutely no way I can be sick. Violently enforce the will of God when the enemy tries to come and defeat you in some way. And when you do that, you do damage to the enemy. Why? Because he had some kind of rotten plan for you. And he thought, well, if I can just get him sick enough, then he won't go to church on Sunday. And then he'll miss that word pastor has for him. But if you violently enforce the will of God, why should you ever have to miss another Sunday service because you had a cold? If you violently enforce the will of God, you don't even ever have to miss another day of work. 
even though I know some of you may want to miss another day of work. But when you violently enforce the will of God, you can miss work and stay home healthy instead of missing work to stay home sick. See, another way to do damage to the enemy is by praising God. See, when you praise God, you are acknowledging that, yes, I know it looks bad, but I have a greater, stronger, mighty God who can take care of it. When you acknowledge God, you say that my time is too valuable to waste it on talking about my problem. I'd rather use my time to praise my God. A lot of people make the mistake of talking about their circumstance. Oh, I don't have any money. Well, keep saying that. You won't have any money. But if you go to God and you go, God, I know this looks bad. I know I don't have my next payment for my car. But in your word says in Philippians 4.19 that you will provide all my need according to your riches and glory. You are a God of more than enough. So I praise you. I give you the glory. I give you the And you just start singing a song of praise to God. What you're doing is saying, I know it looks bad down here, God, but I know you can fix it. If anyone can take care of it, I know you can take care of it. And I want to show you all a familiar passage of scripture. Let's go to Acts 16. See, in Acts 16, we read of Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas, they got thrown into prison. But before they were thrown into prison, they were simply preaching to everyone on the streets, telling them about Jesus, and they were healing people. And then they got thrown in prison for that. Paul and Silas, in a way, are in the perfect opportunity to complain. They could have been like, man, God, why'd you get us here? I mean, we were just preaching and, like, healing people and stuff, and you throw us in jail for that? Like, you didn't even save us? You didn't even stop them? It smells here. I'm hungry. It's wet. I just saw a rat. They could have started complaining, but instead of complaining, let's see what they did. Acts chapter 16, verse 25 says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So here they are, chained down in a dungeon, and they're not complaining. Instead, they're praying and they're praising God. They're saying, I know it looks bad here, God, but I love you and I know you'll take care of it. They're not focusing on their circumstance. Rather, they're focusing on the person who can fix their circumstance, and that is God. When the enemy comes to attack us, we need to stop focusing on the circumstance and start focusing on the one who can fix it. No matter what happens in life, God can take care of it. Let's read verse 26. Verse 26 says, And suddenly... There was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison was shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Just for you know, during an earthquake, chains don't usually come loose. That that's not something normal that happens. That's pretty supernatural. Doors don't usually fly open. They, they might fall down, but it doesn't say damage was done to the prison. It just says the doors flew open and their chains fell off. There was some supernatural activity going on in that place. Why? Because they pray and they praise. 
they knew how to get the supernatural to work for them. Prayer and praise. They knew that prayer and praise changes things. They knew that prayer and praise causes the supernatural to come down from heaven to earth. They knew that prayer and praise is the way to make the supernatural evident. They made the supernatural so evident in that place that when they got out, not only were they free, but they were able to lead the, the prison guard to Jesus. The supernatural should be so evident in our life that people will look at us and know they're different, not, not because we're, we're crazy and being all weird, but because we are not dealing with the things they're dealing with. They're going to wonder, how come you are never sick? How come you never complain about your bills not being paid on time? How come you always have money? How come you are always happy? Because they should see the evidence of the supernatural working in your life. We are living in a day and age where everyone watches what you're doing. Because of the internet with social media, your Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything you put out there, someone is looking at it and someone is judging you if they are not Christian. Because they want to see how you react to your circumstances. So if every time you can't pay a bill, you update your Facebook status with no money, sad face, what kind of example are you setting? Are you making the supernatural evident in your life? Absolutely not. Instead, you're making them think, well, I guess their God's not real if he's not doing anything for them. See, Paul and Silas, when they were in there praying and praising, they knew something would happen. They knew God would take care of them. And because they turned a bad situation into a prayer and praise situation, they were able to lead more people to God. Did they do damage to the enemy? Absolutely. Because, you know, Satan's plan was probably get them in there, execute them. Instead, they got in there, they prayed, and they praised, and they ended up saving a prison guard and his whole family. See, because when you let God interfere and you let the supernatural take over, good things are going to happen. <clears throat> now, let's look at the next weapon, and it is speaking the word of God. Let's go to Proverbs 18.21. What you say is very important. Whether you realize it or not, everything you say is doing something. When you say something, it is calling to affect something in the supernatural, whether you realize it or not. Proverbs 18.21 says this, this <clears throat> death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your most powerful weapon is what you say with your mouth. Your most powerful weapon is your tongue. With your tongue, you can either attract the attacks of the enemy or you can stop them in their tracks. With your mouth, with your tongue, with your words, can change the whole outcome of absolutely every battle you ever face with the enemy. Let's go to Luke chapter four. See, in Luke chapter four, this is actually dialogue between the enemy and Jesus. And I believe if Jesus did something, it's very important to mirror his actions. Because if anybody knows what they're doing, it's definitely Jesus. So when the enemy came to tempt him, when the enemy came to attack him, this is how he responded. Luke chapter 4 verse 3 says this. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, 
Tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. See, what Jesus answered was a scripture. And that scripture is from Deuteronomy 8.3. The enemy comes to attack him in verse 6 again. He answers with another scripture in verse 8. The enemy comes to attack him again in verse 10. Jesus answers with another scripture in verse 12. The pattern that we're seeing here is that when Jesus got attacked by the enemy, he didn't say, well, yeah, I am the son of God. He said, it is written and said a scripture. Because Jesus did not make one original comment during that whole interaction. Everything he said was something that had already been written in the word of God. Because Jesus knew you do not play around with the enemy. Don't waste time playing around with the enemy. Simply say the word of God and get him out of here. There's no point in trying to make your battle with the enemy dramatic. Say the word of God and shut him up and throw him out. The enemy cannot stand up to the word of God. If there is anything that hurts him more than the cross, it is the word of God. You want to do some damage to the enemy? Quote scriptures to him every time he comes around. He'll eventually stop because he hates it. He hates hearing the word of God because if there's one way to beat him, it is the word of God. You can, be a, you can live a healthy life if you enforce the word of God. You can be a victorious Christian if you enforce the word of God. You can be prosperous. Your kids can be following Jesus if you enforce the word of God. When you learn to watch what you say and learn to make sure what you say lines up with the word of God, then you can live that abundant life that God wants us to live. See, Satan has attacked a lot of people making them think that what they say doesn't matter. They come to church on Sunday and say one thing and during the week say something else and then wonder why they're always sick or wonder why they can never pay off their bills. It's because the enemy has tricked you. It's time to watch what you say. What you say is important. What you say matters. So speak the word of God. If you don't know what to say, Instead of staying, staying quiet, speak the word of God. There is an answer for everything in the word of God. Now let's go to another verse. Actually, let's look at our final weapon. See, the final weapon is before I started doing this message, I didn't even think of it as a weapon. And when God brought it to my attention, I was skeptical because I had never heard it used as a form of engagement in battle with the enemy. Some people may call it a tool or a good Christian duty, but in essence, it really is a weapon. And it is the thing that does the most damage to the enemy. And it's this, witnessing, telling other people about Jesus. Now, I even thought, how is this a weapon when he first told me that? Because in my mind, I thought there's no personal gain. Usually when you're telling people on how to attack the enemy, you tell them, well, if you do this, this, and this, you know, you're going to be healthy, and you're going to be wealthy, and you're going to be prosperous. But see, there's plenty of personal gain in telling other people about Jesus. Not that that should be your objective 
or your motive. But when you tell people about Jesus, you hurt the enemy in a way that it ruins whatever plan or agenda that he had. See, because when you tell people about Jesus, then they tell other people about Jesus. And then those other people tell someone else about Jesus, you have more Christians. The reason the enemy attacks you is not because he actually wants to attack you. He attacks you because he knows if, you ha if he has you too busy trying to figure out how to pay your bills, then you're never going to go tell your neighbor about Jesus because you're going to be too busy in your own little world trying to figure out where your next payment is coming from. The reason the enemy attacks you is because he knows that you know how to tell other people how to beat him. He's scared of you. And a lot of us are scared of the enemy. Stop being afraid of something that's already defeated. He should be afraid of you. When you go near someone who's not saved, the enemy should be trembling. He should be so scared he should be vomiting because he knows that you're about to go over there and tell someone that there is a God that loves them. The enemy is afraid of you. Make him more afraid. Am I telling you to become a missionary? Yes. Am I telling you to go to a foreign land? No. What I am telling you is look around. There is people to tell Jesus about. Look in your schools. Look in your workplaces. Look at your friends. Look at your families. I'm pretty sure everyone in here knows one person who doesn't know Jesus. See, the reason it does so much damage to the enemy is because he wants to rule. He wants his kingdom to be dominant on this earth. But if you tell more people about Jesus and there was more Christians than there is people who are not Christians, then what's going to be dominant on the earth? The kingdom of God. The reason Satan is so afraid of you is because he knows that if you were to just get a little bit violent and enforce the will of God, then you and the kingdom of God will rule the earth. Amen. He knows that when Christians gather together and they enforce the will of God, that there is no stopping them. How can you stop a group of people who serve the mightiest God on earth? You can't. And Satan knows that. So he attacks you to distract you. Because if he has you distracted, you will never focus on the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that there are people in this world that don't know Jesus. There are people in this world who have never known the love of our Savior. And he knows that if he distracts you, you will never tell them. So every time you are being attacked by the enemy... It is because you need to start looking around and see who is Satan trying to stop you from telling about Jesus. Because he's attacking to distract. And it is time for the church to stop letting the enemy distract them. See, the enemy, he's doing the same things he's always done. His tricks have not changed. So neither should ours. We should do the same thing that Jesus did. He spoke the word. What did Paul and Silas do? They prayed and they praised. Our tactics shouldn't change either because ours work better than his.
our tactics are stronger. See, when Satan attacks us, he's attacking us with a stick. And when we attack the enemy, we are attacking him with the most powerful weapon ever known to man that I could not even give you an example of it with a natural weapon. It is stronger than some kind of nuclear bomb. It is stronger than what you think is the best gun in the world because it is more powerful. Prayer, praise, and speaking the word of God is more powerful than anything on this natural earth because it is supernatural. The supernatural is stronger than absolutely anything on this earth. It is time to do damage to the enemy. If he has done damage to you this past year or at any point in your life, he needs to pay you back because everything he's done to you, your pastor said this, I think on my first Sunday back from TBI, everything the enemy does to you is illegal and he needs to pay you back. He should have never done it to you in the first place. So if he did, get a little bit violent and take back what is truly yours. The enemy has no place in your life. He has no place in your family. He has no place in your finances. He has no place in your health. So get a little bit violent, get a little bit bold, and energetically enforce the will of God. Church, go ahead and stand up with me. I know this message was a little bit short, and on top of that, it's actually very simple. You may have heard all of this before, but that's fine because there's nothing wrong with hearing something again. And even though it's simple, I've noticed in life simple things always work better. Why make something complicated when it can be simple? It is simple to say a scripture in prayer. It is simple to say a scripture while you praise God. It is simple to say a scripture in any circumstance. It is simple to go up to someone and say, Jesus loves you. It's simple. It is not difficult. It is not hard. It is very simple. So in a way, doing damage to the enemy is very simple. Speak the word of God. It's that simple. Whenever he tries to attack you or come into your life, speak the word of God. In 2014, it is time for us to energetically enforce the will of God and do some damage to the enemy.